Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you this morning with our breath and our song and our voices and our lives. We love because you first loved us. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us now in this worship service, Lord, in this time together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we just ask you bless us with the pouring out of your Holy Spirit, that the eyes of our heart would be open, that the ears of our hearts would be open to hear the word that you have for us, that we may glorify you, that we may praise you, that we may love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. Open your word to us, Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. Thank you. We're in 1 Peter again this morning, thanks to the uh, worship team. We are uh, going to wrap up 1 Peter. So for those of you who may be uh, new or newer with us, we are doing a two-year cycle. Actually, we're doing the same one-year cycle twice, because sometimes we need things to repeat it to get it. So we're talking about flourishing in exile, and one of the things that we are recognizing is that we are living in a time that's called post-Christendom. For 1,700 years, Christian thought has dominated the Western world. Our academic institutions, our religious institutions, our political institutions have all been grounded, rooted, and, and founded on Christian Judeo thought. Over the last generation, the last 40 years, everything has kind of flip-flopped. And now Christendom, Judeo-Christian thought, is waning. Uh, it is being uh, diminished, denied tossed out, and in some places even persecuted. And so as we experience this as followers of Jesus, we have been digging in with Pastor Kevin's leading to say, what is it like to live in exile? Exile is where all of a sudden this doesn't feel like home anymore. Exile is when you leave your home and find yourself in a foreign, strange place, a stranger in a strange land. And what we have discovered is that it is, that is the paradigm of all scripture. The whole great story from Genesis to Revelation is a story of exile. And the path of following God is always a path of exile. It leads us out of one place to another. The fact that we are here on this earth, Jesus keeps saying, this is not your home. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That is your home. And I'm going to come and I'm going to bring you and I'm going to take you to your home. And in the meantime, this world, this life that we live through, we're living in exile. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in exile? First Peter was writing to believers who had to flee their homes in Jerusalem and Judea and go into the further reaches of the Roman Empire and Asia Minor 
because they would have been killed or persecuted. So now they find themselves fleeing for their lives, and Peter is addressing them. The same way that Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 was addressing the exiles who had been taken captivity out of Babylon or out of uh, Jerusalem to Babylon. And when in Jeremiah 29, he said, Look, I know the plans I have for you plans for good and not for bad, plans for hope and a bright future. You know, I don't know about you, but whenever I've heard that verse through my entire spiritual journey of following Jesus, it's always like on a graduation card, right? It's always on a confirmation card. It's always on one of those, oh yes, God's got plans for you. And until the last two years, I never really put it together that, that God says that to exiles living in a foreign land, being persecuted for their faith. They were led there in captivity. They are living in a strange place under an enemy tyrant. And it is on the heels of God saying, I want you to put down roots. I want you to build homes. I want you to pray for the prosperity of your captors. I want you to love your enemy and bless those who ripped you out of your home, killed your loved ones, burned your home, and are now treating you as subjects and slaves. Oh, and by the way, if you do that, if you do what I ask you to do, if you, if you bless those who curse you, if you live and bless and love your enemies, guess what? I have plans for you plans to prosper you, plans for your good and not for your bad. That's a completely different message, isn't it? Because the promise comes on the heels of the request and the obedience. So we find ourselves now, and Peter's doing the same thing. So let's recap real quick, because today's message really comes out of the conclusion of his letter in chapter five of 1 Peter. Last week, I thought Clayton uh, did a great job. In fact, the idea exile, if you weren't here, Clayton Corber taught last week, you should look it up on YouTube. Exile is a road game, he said as a basketball player. Exile is being on a road game where the crowd is all screaming at you and all, everything is against you and the home team hates you and it's a battle and you're in, the, you're in enemy territory and the thing that Clayton nailed was this. How you play the game and playing the game right is important. Exile is a road game and how you play the game, playing it right is important. I think that is the summary of flourishing in exile. So let's look at 1 Peter. As we wrap up, we were at chapter five. And we're going to pick it up in verse 6. Let me just read it through and then we're going to go back and we're going to work through it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. 
standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love when it's not social distancing, COVID times, and peace to all of you who are in Christ. All right. Let's go back and pick it up in verse six. Humble yourselves, therefore, and remember, anytime you see therefore, it means that this verse hinges on something that I've just said. So what has he just said? Let's go back and take a look at it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he's already said, hey, I want you to submit. Let's summarize. If you've been following us through this, this series, this is kind of the path that the Holy Spirit has led us on. Josh Dotzler talked about submission. And Peter talked about submit to your authorities. Submit to those who are in authority over you. Kevin picked it up and said, you gotta be ready uh, to suffer. Submit, be willing to suffer, and serve those around you. So submit, suffer, serve. There is the formula. So with that in mind, Peter is wrapping things up and he says, the first thing I want you to know is that you've got to be humble. So let's talk about humility for a second. What is humility? Humility is being willing, and here it is, being willing to submit. When I don't wanna submit, I wanna resist. Being humble is being willing to suffer when I want to demand my rights and hit somebody back. Being humble is serving even those who are lording it over me. That's humility. And Jesus was the picture of that humility when he emptied himself from heaven and came to live among us. Let's keep going. Humble yourselves under my, God's mighty hand to me. Lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. All right, time out here real quick. In due time, I want to share with you a real quick, um, not get into it real long. I want to give you a couple of personal examples this morning as I've gone through this passage and thought about it. When I... Um, Came to live, moved to Pella in, just after the turn of the century. Uh, it, was, it was like a different life ago. I didn't want to live here. I didn't want to come here. I grew up in Des Moines. Coming to Pella was the last thing on my radar. Uh, because of circumstances, I found myself living in Pella. I remember very early after uh, moving here, coming into the third church, 
And I remember as I came into the third church uh, and sat there, the very first time I was here, Holy Spirit said, there's a reason that you're here. I have a purpose for you being here. And I remember thinking that I, I just felt that and I heard that word and I'm like going, okay, all right, Lord, because I, I always want God's purpose. Lord, whatever you have for me, I want to do what you want me to do. So I plugged in, lots of life changes, <laughs> lots, of, lots of tough times, made it through, stuck it out. And you know what? Nothing seemed to be working. Nothing seemed to fall into place. Nothing, whatever I had heard, it just felt like that was not what I was experiencing. And the thing about hearing something from the Lord, the thing about hearing that God has purpose for you is that he may tell you that long before it actually happens. King David was anointed the king when he was just a young kid. And it was 20 years before he actually became king. So when God calls you to do something, sometimes it takes time. And to, then I just remember when the auditorium opened, Wendy and I came into the auditorium and we sat back here and we weren't sure and we were supposed to be here and we, we just... Again, I felt like this purpose, but I didn't know why. We came into the auditorium and immediately it was like God told us, I want you in this room. Now, there have been a number of people, God bless you and love you, all my auditorium family, because what I have learned as I've talked to people in this place is that there are a number of families, a number of couples, a number of individuals who, for whatever reason, have told me, said, yeah, I, it's the same way. I feel like God has called me to this room. Like he's gonna do something here. I don't know what it is, but I'm supposed to be here. Now, through Thicker Thin, we, that's why we're here. And waiting for whatever God is doing, and I think he's already doing it. Sometimes we just don't see what he's doing. But I can remember, I can remember Sundays in that back, and I remember feeling like, God, what? Why am I here? You keep saying that you've got purpose for me, but why? And I, and I can remember to pick up on Clayton's sports analogy last week, I felt like I was riding the bench in the back row there. And Wendy will tell you, there were Sundays where it was just like, Argh! anybody ever ride the bench in sports? You're like going, coach, put me in. <laughs> I want to play. I want to be in the game. I want to do something. And I would be sitting back there and Wendy would have to talk me back. It's kind of, hey, hey, notice what it says. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that in due time, he will lift you up. And what I have learned in this journey is God's timing is perfect. It's perfect. For the exiles who were in Babylon, they're like going, God, you said you're going to promise to send us back home. You promised us that we're going to return to Jerusalem. Yeah, 70 years. <laughs> In the meantime, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Do what I ask you to do. Put down roots, build homes, have kids, have grandkids. Pray for, pray for the people that have got you under their thumb. Bless, don't curse. And in due time, I'm gonna call a man named Nehemiah and he is going to go back to Jerusalem and help raise up Jerusalem's walls again. 
in due time, he'll lift you up. It's in the waiting that we struggle. So what do we do in the meantime? Submit. (laughs) Okay, God, I submit. Whatever you've got, I'll just keep coming. I'll keep showing up. I'll keep doing what you're going to do. Because here's the thing. If it really is of God, it's going to happen. And nothing can stop it. If it's just me, I ate some bad pepperoni last night and had some weird dream, then guess what? It's never going to happen, and I guess it was just bad pepperoni. The proof is in the fact that if God has really called these things, then they're going to happen. Our job then, my job is to, okay, God, all right, I'm here. I'll keep coming, keep doing, submit, suffer. Every Sunday riding the bench, what have you got for me? I want to get in the game. Suffer through, be patient. Sometimes being surrendered, sometimes being submissive, is the suffering. It's the suffering of going, because what is it? It's letting go of my pride, continuing to submit, letting go of what I want, what I think, what I need, emptying myself for whatever God has for me, and then continuing to serve in whatever whatever God has for me. Keep doing it, just keep serving. Keep blessing, keep going. And in due time, God will raise you up. And then notice what he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right, so it's like this. The Greek word for cast is ripto. Ripto. So as I was studying that, the reality is when he says cast, he is literally calling you to let her rip. Right? There we go. Let her rip. Toss it. Bring it on. Coming to me. All right? Now what happens is, here's, here's the paradigm I think that I find myself doing most with my anxieties. Here's, here's my anxiety. God! Come take it. Come deliver me from my anxiety. Deliver me from my fears. Come, God. Come take it away from me. Take it off my shoulders. I'm so burdened. Please alleviate my suffering. But that's not the word picture, is it? Now I'm not letting her rip. I'm holding her in. God says, no, 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 no. These anxieties you've got, these fears that you have, these troubles, let her rip. So what that looks like is this. As I am submitting, it's a constant process. When Wendy and I, we've talked publicly, and Wendy has shared beautifully about our uh, struggles with infertility, it was another one where that just doesn't go away. It just doesn't. It is a process of constantly, the grief comes up, the pain comes up, the hurt comes up, cast it off. And then it comes up again, and it comes up again, and it comes again. And it was a constant motion of in prayer. And that's where Wendy's mantra that she taught me is so important. God, if you 
if you are really good, and I believe that you are, and you really have my best in mind, these plans to prosper me, and I believe that you do, then I know that what I am going through, you've got it under control. So I just choose God. And there's the casting, right? I choose. Here you go. Here's my pain. Here's my heart. Here's my worry. Here's my frustration. Here's my struggle with my pride. Mm, giving it to you again. <laughs> I'm giving it to you again. And I can remember, you know, um, in my business, sometimes I will be coaching people. And one of the hardest things for in coaching customer service is when you get that angry customer. Everyone wants me to do training on how to handle angry customers, but I can tell you from 25 years experience, the number of angry customers that the average customer service representative handles is less than 2%. And yet less than 2% of the customers take up about 80% of the emotional energy. And so everyone wants to deal with that. So one of the things I'm not, I've, I have taught my, uh, my charges in customer service is this. All right, look, that one customer that you had that was angry, okay, that's one customer during your day. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the name of that customer, I want you to write it on the scratch pad, and now I want you to do this. And I want you to pull out your garbage can, and I want you to go, I'm letting it go. Because guess what? You got another 20, 30, 40 customers that need you in the game. And they need you playing it right. That's casting your cares. It's important, and that's what God wants us to do. Just keep coming to me, keep casting, keep throwing, keep praying. I can take it. <laughs> Scream, rant, cry. Come to refresh on Thursday noons. Have somebody pray over you. Do it again. Write it down in your journal. Cast it. Keep it. Keep casting. Because guess what? I care for you. Then he goes on. Be alert and sober. Third time that Peter has said, be alert and sober. And if you heard a couple weeks ago in the sanctuary, I, I mentioned that that word, be alert, is anazonomy which in the Greek, is the word picture is this. I'm picking up my cloak, or for a, it's like a lady picking up her long formal dress to get ready for action, to get ready to move. So I want you to know, we so often think of this humble, I'm gonna submit, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna serve, and we think of it as this passive, okay, just make me suffer. But it's not a reaction, it's a response. I, hey, this is what I'm choosing to do. I am choosing God to submit to you. I am choosing to submit to my authorities. I am choosing, even though it goes every, against every ounce of my being, I am choosing to submit. I am choosing to turn the other cheek. I am choosing not to fight back. I am choosing to keep my mouth shut. That's not passive, that's active. I choose to serve. So when that person is mean to me, I bless them. That's a choice, that's being active. Be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this is it. We are in a level four spiritual battle 
at all times. And what we are dealing with here on this earth in the times that we live in and the things that we're experiencing is the physical earthly manifestation of a level four spiritual battle. And the enemy, our devil, wants us to do exactly the opposite of what Christ calls us to do. God wants us to be humble and submit, so the enemy wants us in our pride to claim our rights and demand our way. Jesus asks us to love, to be kind and patient and self-controlled and good, so the enemy wants us to hate and belittle and fight. Jesus wants us to have peace and to be, to be ambassadors of that peace. The enemy wants us to fight and to argue and to bite and demean and devour. Jesus wants us to have a life full of joy. The enemy wants us to grumble and complain and play the victim card. So the enemy is constantly trying to get us not to respond in the way that we are called to respond as exiles, he wants us to react. <laughs> not to say, we're not gonna suffer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you suffer. I am not gonna serve. I am gonna stand up and fight for my rights. Now, he goes on. Therefore, resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And here's the thing. We, I know that we've all met, felt lots of anxiety and lots of fear and lots of things going on in this world. In the last two months, our brothers and sisters in China have had their churches bulldozed. They have been sent to re-education camps where they're taught that God doesn't exist. Young girls in Pakistan have been abducted by radical Muslims, converted. Girls of 12, 13, 15, and then forced to marry older Muslim men. It's in the, it's in the Pakistani Supreme Courts right now. In Africa, Christians are being shot. One village, church burned, 40 homes burned, all of the Christians killed. Puts it in perspective. We have believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are going through things that we can't even imagine. They are facing their own exile experience the same time we are experiencing maybe our own exile experience. So we need to understand and be aware that this, this exile thing, it's everywhere. It's what we have been called to. We shouldn't be surprised by it. And that's what we've been doing for two years. We're saying we don't need to be surprised by this. We need Instead, to be alert, sober-minded, so as it's happening, we can do the things that God has called us to do in the midst of it.
not react out of fear and anxiety and anger and hatred and frustration, but respond with the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? Am I right? All right, good. All right. Spiritual battle. So God wants, I mean, the enemy wants us giving up. The enemy wants us giving in. The enemy wants us getting even. God is calling us to submit, to suffer, and to serve. Last night, one, one last example. Um, last night was the Tulip Queen announcement party here in Pella. We had uh, 13 lovely young ladies. In fact, Ella Van Zee, who's a member of the, the auditorium family here, was one of the candidates. Uh, uh, Olivia Dehan Birch, who's uh, often attends here with her uh, dad and stepmom, was uh, one of the candidates. It was a lovely time. I was the MC, and Wendy is uh, for the last few years she's on the committee and is program director. Now, in this period of time, we under it was understood the committee, the Tulip Time Steering Committee, and the Tulip Queen Announcement Party Committee, and the uh, and the Pella Historical Society understood that we have to be very careful about how we do this thing in the world of COVID, right? So. I can't even, the number of hours that were put in and to, to submit to authority and calling the governor's office and calling the Iowa health authorities to make sure that everything was done correctly. We went to great lengths to make sure that everyone in that building last night, except for the candidates and me when I was on stage, had masks. Made sure that every judge was masked and was a table length like, like eight feet away from the candidates when they interviewed them. Made sure that every person in the audience had their masks, that, that we had limited seating, everyone social distance. We went, we went above and beyond. We got dispensation from the state health authorities that the girls and I didn't have to wear masks. While we were on stage, it was a performance. Got all the, the T's crossed, the I's dotted. Great night, wonderful, everything was beautiful. Streamed it live. So last night, about midnight, as I'm getting ready to go to bed, I uh, went out on social media and posted a picture of me with the, all of the candidates on stage that we took uh, during the evening right before the activities took place. And I went out there and said, hey, love, these girls were great. So honored to be able to be part of this. I woke up this morning and um, saw a notification. I pulled it up. The very, now I got to explain this too. Wendy always, always chastises me because basically anybody who friends me on Facebook, I just friend them back. Because mostly, mostly in social media, uh, whatever it is, I, mostly what I post are my blog and my daily, uh, my daily chapter day blog and my podcast. And I'm, I just figure this is one of the ways that I try and get proclaim God's word by being using it as a channel. So if somebody wants to friend me and they get, you know, me trying to give them some of God's word, I think it's awesome. So I get up this morning and an individual that I don't really even know, who I don't even think, I don't even know. I don't even know where they live. I don't, they know nothing about Paula. They don't know anything about me. The first comment, masks? Question mark. Can I confess? I immediately felt rage. Immediately. 
self-righteous rage. You have no idea the level to which we went through to make sure that this was a safe environment. And you're going to question me? Oh, man, did I have some cynical, sarcastic remarks that I wanted to make. Thank you for volunteering for the Self-Righteous COVID Association of America. I, I came up with all sorts, and, and it just churned in me, because Wendy wasn't up yet this morning when she saw it, and it just, and I grabbed my phone and put it down. Guys, this is it, right? This is the front lines. Worship team, you can come on up. This is the front lines. This is where we experience it, because in that moment, the enemy wants me to give in to my anger. The enemy wants me to give in to my hatred. The enemy wants me to give in to my claiming my rights to do what I want to do. Don't tell me I had, I just, submit. Okay, God. Okay. I'm not going to react the way I want to react. <laughs> Suffer. Swallow your pride. Swallow your political views. <laughs> Swallow your worldview. Bless. Don't curse. Bless. And I'll confess to you that I haven't responded yet. <laughs> because I've got to work myself through the process so that I can determine how humbly I should respond and how I can bless and not curse. And that's it. That's what First Peter is saying. That's what Jeremiah was saying. You're a stranger living in a strange land. This world is not your home. You're on the road. Man, this is a road game. Playing the game right matters. How do you play the game? How am I playing the game? Let's pray. God, thank you for First Peter. Thank you for this, uh, these words. Thank you for your word, for your message to us. Help us, Lord to be followers of you, give us the grace to do as you've called us to do and not as our natural pride and inclinations want us to react and do out of our own sinful natures. Help us not to do as the enemy wants us to do. Help us not to give in or to give up, but to stand firm continuing to follow you and follow your example in the name of Christ. Amen.